A second turn in your Bibles. Uh, actually, I don't want you to open up your Bibles yet, okay? Very important, you don't open up your Bibles. We're not going to hear from God's Word today, okay? What a waste of time, huh? Uh, no, uh, we, we will, we will. I just don't want you looking at your own Bibles. I want you to uh, just trust me today, which some of you go, wait, I've known you for a long time. Why should I trust you? Uh, uh, but I, I want to talk to you about some things. Obviously, this last week, we had another opportunity uh, to trust God, uh, to see that this world is out of control, um, that we are not safe. Uh, we are not safe personally uh, because of our country and because of what's going on. We're safe because of our God. Uh, if we've trusted in Jesus, our soul is secure. And we realize that in our world today, that uh, what can you worry about? Some of you say, well, I'm really good at it. I could give you a long list of things that I get to worry about. And this morning, what I want to do is ask you, why should you trust in Jesus? Why should you trust in Jesus? You know there's other options, right? You know there's uh, millions Billions of people that trust in other things. And this morning, I, I want to ask the question, in light of the events of this last week in San Bernardino, and there were others as well, smaller things that happened, but obviously San Bernardino is pretty close to us, isn't it? It was a situation that wasn't uh, a target that we would expect. It was just, in reality, it was just an office building. It was a place where people worked. They had gathered, and uh, there was a tragedy there where people, uh, motivated by their beliefs, their faith, went about and did unthinkable things. Um, what do you trust in this morning? What are the things that you connect your... Uh, the things that you moor to, the things that you lock in, the things that make you safe, the rock that you connect to because you're, you realize that you can't handle it on your own. I think of this generation of growing up with Bill Nye, the science guy, and some in our world today, they say, well, I don't have a particular faith in some religion. I believe in science. Uh, famous quote. Thank you for acknowledging that. Uh, uh, maybe that's the thing for you that you say, I, I, if I can test it, if I can understand it, if I can uh, put, you know, measure it somehow and, and observe what happens, then I will believe in it. Um, I want to tell you, you're limited by your own eyesight on that one, right? It's very small. Uh, what you can believe in is as small as your brain, and it can only be this big, right? Uh, you may have some other, uh, maybe you're struggling with, maybe I should believe in some other uh, kind of religion, of Islam, maybe Buddhism, maybe Hindu, or maybe some something else you figured out or you searched on the internet like the flying spaghetti monster or something like that. Look it up. It's pretty exciting. Um, 
Maybe you sit there with your arms folded and you say, I don't buy anything. I don't believe in or buy anything. And for those of us here this morning, I assume the reason you're here is because you believe in Jesus. You, you're here, and in fact, more of you are even here today. You're excited about celebrating the birth of Christ, your Savior, the Messiah. This morning, I want to take a look at some of the prophecies, the prophetic foretelling of who Jesus would be. And I know we struggle with this idea of prophecy because prophecy is history written before it happened. It's, you read a history book and history's, some of you think history's boring. I'm with you. Um, but um, you, you read history and you go, this is old news. Prophecy is writing down beforehand what is going to happen. It's giving you events and times and things that will give you a hint to what is going to happen in the future. And this morning, we're going to look at uh, a few of the prophecies. Not many, but a few of them. And I want to tell you, there are thousands of them. As you look to the Old Testament, as it looks to the New Testament of what is to come, there are thousands of them that point to Jesus, to Jesus. And to answer that question, why Jesus, I would say because he is the one, the one of history, the one of prophecy that was to come to be our Messiah. <laughs> this morning, I want to I start with saying this, that we're going to really take most of our, our time from the book of Micah and the book of Isaiah don't remember that yet. Don't remember that. I strike that from the record. But know this, that these particular books were written 700 years, about 700 years prior to the New Testament. So let me ask you the question. So it's this year, right now. You're in this place. You're this age. You're, you're, you're living this life. What was... What was going on in your family a hundred years ago? So you're trying to figure that out and you're saying, I, I'm struggling with last week, what we, what we were doing last week, a hundred years ago. You see, some of you have been on Ancestry.com and you figured out your lineage and you can trace it back. Okay, a hundred years, 200 years, 300, 400, 500. What was our country like 600 years ago? What's the Hatchby like 600 years ago? Uh, some places, no different, right? <laughs> Untouched. Uh, 700 years ago, what was going on? And you go, oh, we can't, we can't go back that far. We have no idea. There, and let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What are you going to do next week? What's your next week? What's going to happen in your life next week? Are, are you going to be sick? Are you going to go to school? Do you have plans? Are those plans going to come to fruition? Uh, some of you are real good schedulers, and you have it all planned out, you know, uh, what you're going to do at what time, uh, what you're going to eat for what meal, what time you're going to go to the restroom, uh, what time you're going to go to bed. You know, you, you have it scheduled out real well. And it frustrates you to no end when you can't bring those plans to fruition. Tell me... 
what's going to happen in your family 700 years from now. I want to give you that perspective before we get going and realize there's really no connection. We, we cannot, I don't want to say there's no connection, but there's no, we have no ability to put things together even just a few days in advance, a week in advance. But the idea of 700 years, it's ridiculous to think that those can be manipulated. And so we go to God's Word. I'm not going to tell you where we're going. But I first want to tell you, I want to talk to you about the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus. And actually, I don't want to tell you about a birth of Jesus. It's just a, it's just a birth, okay? It's someone's birth, okay? And you tell me who this is, okay? I'm not going to tell you. It's, I'm just reading from a book here, okay? This is what I want to read to you from some book, some passage of some book, okay? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Just from some book. There's another passage, another passage, some book. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. And then listen to this. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Just some words written long ago. And I want to tell you, these words were written. Um, these events happen about 700 years apart. The, the, the distance in time. And some would say, well, that's just a fairy tale. That can't happen. Science says that that's impossible. 
And I would agree with you. I, I don't know of science being able to validate that this could be true. But acknowledged somewhere in here, it said this, that for nothing will be impossible with God. And the question remains is this, is this God working out history according to his own power and strength? Or is this man saying what can and can't happen based upon what they can grasp and understand? As these passages go, the first one I read to you, if you closed your eyes and said, oh, that's who's it talking about? It's talking about Jesus, right? And, and you know that. You go, oh, that, that's, that's what happened in history. That, that's kind of what the angels had said when, when you know, I, I remember that. I, I vaguely remember that. And I say, no, you're wrong. That was in the book of Isaiah. 700 years before those events happened. You know what that was? It's prophecy. It was pointing to the future and saying, let me tell you about the Messiah King that is to come. Let me tell you about the one that is going to be called Emmanuel. God with, he's coming in the future. 700 years. And you say, well, they just kind of connected. Somebody knew about that prophecy, and so they wanted to put this uh, story out there so it would connect and so that you would be able to say something here this morning. Uh, if you wanted to validate a story like that, wouldn't you choose something a little smaller than the virgin birth? I want to tell you that this is from God. This is His plan. He wasn't looking for it to be acceptable to us. He put together an impossible plan and realized that He was the only one who could accomplish it. And so we see in His birth, we see it coming together, the plan of God. Why Jesus? Because of his special birth, uh, of who he is and how that worked into time. You can also go um, to another passage. Um, and, and I want to tell you that when you look at the early days of Jesus, you th see really three places. Nazareth, Egypt, and Bethlehem. Th those are the three places. Uh, that you see in the early days of Jesus. And these are all connected. And so, so as you look at this, I want to read to you from God's Word again. It says this, But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphra, who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Bethlehem. Now let me ask you a question. Where were you born? Uh, you, you know, uh, I want to share with you something. It's kind of a confession of sorts. Uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara. And if you're familiar with Santa Barbara, there's some snobby people over there. They live on the other side of the freeway from where I grew up, on the other side. Um, I live on the bad side of the freeway. Um, but uh, there's some snobby people. And, and you, know, you know who they make fun of in Santa Barbara? Do you know? Bakersfield. It's real simple. It's real simple. You just make fun of people from Bakersfield. 
And so the idea, you know, I was, I, I, I was born in Santa Barbara. I, you know, I have credentials. and uh, uh, um, My kids were born in Bakersfield. I had no choice over that. You know, I, I thought I, you know, we, we, don't, we don't get, life happens, right? Some of you were born in other countries at other times. You were born in a specific, I can't even say it, that word, specific spots that just for a time your parents lived in a different spot and things came up and they had a different job and they, they went over here for this time and boom, you were born and, and then you, you moved and you moved. Nobody gets to decide where they were born. In 700 years, Bethlehem. Bethlehem's not like a hot spot. Uh, it's not like a, 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 a city of sorts. And as you consider the, the details in the New Testament, uh, why were they in Bethlehem? Why were they in Bethlehem? Because of a census. Oh, I, I get it. So they, they, because of this prophecy, they orchestrated it. Mary understood that she was pregnant, and she goes, I want this to be something special because, you know, there's kind of a weird thing about my pregnancy and everything, and so I want to connect it to being this one in the Old Testament. I know it's supposed to be in Bethlehem. Hey, let's get them to take a census for us so that I can travel almost being ready to give birth to this uh, place where there's no place to be. I, I'm going to orchestrate this. It wasn't orchestrated, at least not by Mary, not by Joseph either. Not by the Caesars or the governors. Or, it's not by anybody other than our God as part of his plan 700 years prior. You think of how Egypt is, and it says in the book of Hosea that he would go down to Egypt. And, and if you think about that, you get all these things and you go, why did he go down to Egypt? Oh, they were trying to kill him. And, and Herod, so Herod was in on this too, right? Herod was doing this just to be, be a picture. So he go to, no, this was all a part of the, the plan of God working out. It was, his, it was his birth. It was the place in which he was born. In the book, uh, I won't tell you where this is. Let me read this to you. Now we go on to his family. His family it says this, Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from, the, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord hosts. Sorry. Uh, Lost my place. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I'll stop there. Um, as you see this, the son, the son of David. And really, if you look through the Old Testament, you, you see this connection to the uh, Messiah's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, this is the family they're going to be born to, Abraham, and then you get narrowed Isaac and Jacob, and now we get the connection with the son of David, that he will be in this line, he will be in the kingly line of David, and you say, well, uh, what about that? What about that? I want to tell you, um, you don't get to choose what family you're, you're born into, do you? Some of us have tried that, right? We tried to say, hey, can I do a trade here? Uh, 
My family's a little crazy, and I want to be a part of some, some other family. Jesus was born in, into the family of David. Why? Because it's part of the, the plan of the Father that he would be the king. Another passage in Luke chapter 1, connecting with this, and it says this, And the angel said to her, uh, we, we read a portion of this before, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will, uh, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end there's a song that says forever and ever have you heard that song heard it yesterday it was fabulous you see this coming together in the prophecy and the history that he uh, he's born into a family. He's born into a particular lineage. And that lineage will end in him being a king. And this kingdom that he has, we've been talking about in the book of Matthew, will be forever. Forever. I want to tell you, as you look at our world right now, as you consider uh, the safety of your life, the generations that will be to come, I want to ask you, what are you trusting in? Is it in a kingdom that will not last? Or is it in a king and a kingdom that will go on forever and ever? This is what we rejoice in as we see the birth of Jesus, that, that as we are connected with him, it doesn't matter if we live or die, that his kingdom and our participation in that will be forever. And this is the plan. This is the plan. It was foretold 700 years, about 700 years prior to it happening. And then Jesus comes on. And now we, we wait anxiously for this to come to fruition. Well, I'm running out of time. So I'm going to edit. And I want to end up with this. Let me read you this. Tell me who this is speaking of. For he grew up before him like a, a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And listen to this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that was led to slaughter, like a sheep that that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered 
that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich men in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he was poured out his soul to death and was numbered with transgressors. transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. 700 years before it happened. Another passage that was from the book of Isaiah 53. You may have heard this as well in the book of Romans. For we were were still weak and at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why Jesus? Because he's the one that was spoken of and it came to pass as it was prophesied about. The question that the shepherds were asking and the the wise men were asking is, well, how will we know him? How will we know him? And maybe you're asking that this morning. How, how will I know who to hook my life onto? Who to give my life to? And I'd say this. Read about it in the Old Testament. The one that was spoken of in the Old Testament foretold about. He came in the New Testament. 700 years. And you say, oh, I, I, I can't get it. Well, why can't you get it? Put it together. Open your heart to this. We're not making this stuff up. 700 years prior, it was foretold, and then it came to pass. And that same God who's orchestrating history and salvation and the person of Jesus is still on the throne today, working out his plan. And so we can trust him for today. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being in your word. God, thank you for your plan. and that you uh, sent your special son, the one uh, that would be the sacrifice for us. And God, do your work in our hearts now that we would trust you in these uncertain times. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's that the men would come forward who are going to help me with communion. Make ready the table. And this morning as we gather together for communion, I want you to know, I want you to consider that this wasn't just a history lesson, but this, this was pointing to the special Savior that didn't just do things in history, but that He gave His life for you.
that you would have a relationship with him. This isn't about uh, you being smarter than anybody on the face of this earth. It's you being saved. Your sins being covered by the blood of Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, thank you for being here today. And I encourage you not to participate in this time, but to just use this time to consider your own life before God and whether you need to give your life to Jesus, the one we celebrate here today. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I'd ask that you would participate and celebrate what the Lord has done for you to consider your life today and where you are with him. And rejoice that your sins are forgiven in Jesus. Please hold all the elements and then we will partake together as we remember the Lord.
As Jesus gathered with his disciples, shared a meal together before he was betrayed and went to the cross. That meal, he took the bread and broke it after giving thanks and he explained to them that this was his body broken for them. We do this this morning, remembering the body of our Lord.
As Jesus took the bread, he also took the cup. He explained to them that this is the blood of the new covenant that he was making with them. This morning, as we drink, as we take the cup, we're remembering the blood of our Lord spilled on our behalf. Please stand. Father God, thank you for this morning, for the time that we could share together, reflecting on your plan. It's unfolding where we fit in it today. God, thank you for the reminder of what your son has done on our behalf, the gift that you've given us. God, may we live in light of it. Uh, May we consider it and be changed by it in everything that we do. God, do your work in your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we leave today, uh, I just want to encourage you, we always take an offering for those who are in need. Uh, You can participate in that as you leave today. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.